Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello and welcome to the Promised Land, a show about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by Rob Blanchett. And Rob, it seems like things are happening, doesn't it? Man United are losing. And uh, the pressure, the notches have been turned up to 11. Maybe not 11, maybe we're at 7 or an 8. But Eric Ten Hag, is, uh, he's coming under fire again, isn't he? Yeah, look, Manchester United has always been a bit of a pantomime, isn't it? Well, Eric Ten Hag is very much auditioning for his role in that pantomime at the moment. So, disappointing game of football, of course, at Old Trafford. I was there for the Fulham match, which we'll kind of overview today and talk off some of the back of that. Um, but yes, yeah, Scott, I just think the thing is, as much as I think all of us moderates want to give Ten Hag the time and the space and all of this and have a big hug and get on with the job, Eric, I think we're still seeing things that six to eight to 12 weeks ago that I was talking about that worry me tactically. And unfortunately, they're manifesting in results sometimes. So you've got injuries. Some of the tactics, Scott, I don't feel good about them. I'll say that. Big week ahead, Nottingham Forest in the FA Cup, away from home. Man City in the Manchester derby, away from home. You know, if he takes two bad defeats, <laughs> uh, you know, the way things are going, we'll, we'll talk about it. Everybody knows that I am I have been a defender of uh, Eriton Hag. Rob, Rob as well, but a little bit more critical. But you can't mm. you can't lose to Fulham in that fashion. You can't, you can't keep making the same mistakes. So I think I'll get into how I feel on that today, and Rob will as well. And we'll talk about some other potential candidates that are being linked with the United job too. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts and watch us on YouTube, The Promise Land, and Man United Podcast. Like the video, subscribe, leave a comment, hit the notification bell so you never miss a show and follow us on social media at double underscore Scott Saunders on X, IG, TikTok, at underscore Rob underscore B on X on YouTube and at TPL MUFC on X as well. Um, Rob, so, you know, uh, maybe I'll ask you a question knowing... Hmm the trip you take, right? Yeah. So you, you jump on a bus, right? A supporter's bus. I do. Bus. What, to go to the games? To go to the games, right? Got on coach, you jump on yeah. a coach. You jump on a coach, a supporter's coach, right? Yeah. And it takes you a few hours. Hmm. You know, it can be raining. Yeah. You know, it can be a little bit dreary. We know what Manchester's like. You know, Old Trafford a little bit dilapidated. You know, yeah. needing needing investment into it or maybe there's a whole other conversation about the stadium how do you feel when you make all that uh, you know when somebody could travel across the world and turn up and watch that it's, it seems like the, it's the same mistake over and over again so like i'll ask you how does it feel when you make that trek and then you have to go back the same way and you see the same idiotic mistakes that are being made on the pitch time after time after time and you end up oh, losing the game yeah it's awful like it is awful, and 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 it's for any football fan when you go and watch your team play. Like in those moments, I'm going to Old Trafford as a fan. Yeah, take my work hat off. I'm going there to support Man United. I've been doing it since I was nine years old. 
So, as you said, the coach journey in and out of Old Trafford, of course, that ends, doesn't it, normally with a one-hour journey just to get out of the car park. So it starts with that. And obviously, everything's playing over your mind. You might sit there and construct a tweet about after the game, something post-match, be able to talk to followers and your audience to kind of keep that communication there. I think the overriding thing is, Scott, is that it's it's like just like watching a rerun of a really bad TV show that you watched years ago. It doesn't feel any different. And I just said to you off camera before we started here that that was the first time I've walked out of the stadium before the final whistle was blown since Liverpool beat Man United at Old Trafford 4-1, I think it was, where Desainer scored in the 90th minute. I think it was, and it was the day that I think Vidic 2009, that was, I think, yeah. Yeah, Vidic got sent off, I think, and he got absolutely skinned by Torres, I think it was. And is it the Gerard kissing the camera thing? I think it was that day. And we all left at, on that, that moment because it was so ridiculous, such a horrible game of football. Um, and there have been horrible games of football since then, like, don't get me wrong. But we walked out because you always think when United score late in a game that they can go and win it. I thought and they I, would. I honestly thought they would as well. I, I'll be honest with you, I didn't feel that. So when we scored... I just felt relief. And then I thought, and then it was running it through my head. I was like, so Maguire was the only one who re- reacted in the area there to put the ball in the net. You look at the rest of the United players and they're just all over the place, completely out of position. They're, not do- they're just wild trying to win the game. But Maguire gambled, didn't he? Got on the end of a, of a parried save and smashed it into net. Well done, Harry Maguire. I just thought Maguire had quite a good game, even though he was part of that last moment, which, of course, destroyed United in the final final seconds. Uh, I walked out the stadium, I think it was at the moment, 96th minute, when Delo overran a simple ball when he had to just cross it into the box. It's late, everyone's in the box, and he kind of goes to the byline, overhits it, and it goes out, and literally everyone around me stood up in unison and went, right, we're done, this is this is crazy. You just said there, like, how does it feel? I think the thing is, Scott, is that losing is not a problem. Losing games is not a problem. The problem for fans and for like myself is when you're watching the same stuff happen tactically and you see it's not developing, there's nothing new. It's old. It's old money. It's poor. This that was the whole take Sorry to interrupt you. This was, the, this was the same game as the opening night of the season against Wolves, hmm. except they lost. It was exactly. the same things were happening over and I, over again. And we're seeing this game a lot this year. Like it's not new that going to the stadium and obviously the news that, that Hoyland was out the game, you were like, okay, here we go. No Hoyland, uh, no Luke Shaw, no Lissandra Martinez. You're like, three are out and you're like, well, there's no way this team can do what it normally does or what it wants to do, or what the manager wants it to do. Just, you know it. So you're thinking, right, what? hopefully he'll change it. We'll change it up. Something will change. We'll do something a little bit different. Just tweaks here and there. So his tweak, of course, was bringing in Forson. So Forson played the game. And I thought he was okay for 55 minutes or whatever it was. You know, he, he, wasn't, he wasn't awful. But there was nothing discernibly different. You just said they're the same as the Wolves game. You know that when Fulham come along, tactically, they're just going to be relatively smart. They're a solid team. They don't, they're not frivolous. They'll just do their work. But if you play your best game, Scott, you will beat them because you're better than them. But United just gave the game to them on a plate, literally for the whole match in phases. And it was just, again, just scary to see. Like, it's just like this, like we have a one-man midfield and he's 18 years old and it's it's wrong. It shouldn't be like that, even with injuries. And it always seems to be the same culprits to me, Scott. And I think that is the problem here, is that if you are Dan Ashworth and you're at home on gardening, 
your hands are dirty because you're in the garden planting in the dafts and doing your works and you look up and you just think oh, i'll just have catch man united because i'm going to be working there quite soon you're going to be watching that and you're going to go in they're rubbish they're not very good from top to bottom injuries cannot be an excuse for some of this stuff that we are seeing because yeah fine better players should be coming back scott but there's still a ton of really high paid players on that football pitch that need to be doing more I mean, I've been, I've, well, I've taken a lot of stick for it, actually, even from people who, who listen to the podcast. I get tweets relatively often. Yeah, Scott, you're defending Ten Hag so much. And yeah, yeah, obviously I'm one of the more, uh, I'm more defensive of the manager than, than most people. But you can't, you can't keep playing that way. No. You can't keep doing this. And I, I understand the the difficulties with the injuries that he has. And I know how they're, they're caught between two styles, right? They're, they're trying to press high and their defensive line is so far back that you just have this chasm of a space in the in the middle of the pitch between the midfield and the defense for somebody like Cobby to cover. And it's it's, yeah. it's physically impossible. Um, and it's Casemiro. He, has, he hasn't got the legs to do it either. So it's not... I understand the desire to want to instill like certain methods of like, I want you to do this because eventually we'll, the, the style would transition from hmm. parts of it that we see now. That, like I say, the court between two. We, we see some things that I think Ten Hag wants to do, but also he doesn't have quick enough defenders to maybe defend with a high line. But if you don't have the tools, stop with the, stop with this crazy, crazy stuff. Like stop with the tactics. Like, go back to something compact like last season because you know you've got he's got to save his own job here and if he keeps losing games in that fashion i said it i said it a few weeks ago i want i'd like to see him develop a style yes but ultimately he's got to start winning matches and he has been winning matches more recently uh, i think united have won most of their league games every league game in 2024 so far mm. before that game and great fine but we know that in those matches, they've rode their luck at times. They really have. The guy is, uh, I like him. I feel like I would like him to get another year, but he's not helping himself. If you're going to keep playing like that and keep making the same mistakes over and over again, keep letting the opposition, in massively inferior opposition, pick you off time and time again from your own corners, from your own attacks, just on the British, so easy to to break on United. Just one pass cuts out the entire team, and they they they're mm. essentially running at the defense. You have got three or four people running at the defense. Yeah, it happens every single time, and you have to stop it if he if he wants to keep his job. He has to stop it. Yeah, you, you got to stop the bleeding, didn't you, as we say. But um, I think when when you look at these issues. This is what I was trying to highlight at the at the beginning of the season is that I had all of the time in the world for, yes, you're, you're short in terms of uh, numbers, you're short on maybe your best talent, you're, you can't really do everything you want to do. But when you talk about tactics, Scott, tactics are flexible and visceral and you have to have like this amount of tactics to take to every football match. And for me, when I watch United, it always feels like United have got 
this amount now so when people obviously listening here i'm sorry again because i'm 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 assuming you're all watching on youtube or something kind of putting my hands out here wide and that's your tactical element and but it's it's a lot smaller than that it kind of feels like a golf ball sometimes with manchester united so i think the thing is with eric ten hag do you know what he's now happening scott with the populism of it football fans is that people believe he hasn't got any tactics yeah, football fans, United fans are looking at watching these games and because they don't, maybe some don't bother digging deeper, they're just taking it at face value. They're watching Man United now and they're just going, United haven't got any tactics. So what are you seeing? You're seeing a load of fans now going, well, it wasn't really that much worse under Ole and Solskjaer. Well, th this is unfortunately the comparisons we're getting to because Ole was tactically inept. He was. He wasn't good enough in certain parts. But Eric Ten Hag's not covering himself in glory, you know. And again, when you look at coaches across the league, Scott, everyone deals with injuries. Everyone deals with them. And the way you deal with them, Scott, is you flip stuff. You change things to make sure that you don't concede goals. I think some of the some of the stats that have been coming out after the Fulham game are truly horrendous about how Manchester United concede football goals in football matches. Like really, really poor stuff that we know with our eyes. I think I think they faced over a hundred shots in their last five games. They're pretty much with the relegation teams, right? So the relegation teams, the bottom three, they are just off relegation form in terms of some of those metrics they're not they're not that much above them they are a mid-table team at best you know that's kind of what they're saying what they're showing problem with that scott is that some of your players are on 350 grand a week like you are not a mid-table team whether you look like one you're not supposed to be one so i think the thing is eric is that i totally understand why he's trying to keep repeat method and push that into his team but you can already see that maybe he's lost faith in one of his big signings, Anthony. So Anthony could have, was perfect for this game to, uh, uh, against Fulham. He clearly doesn't want to play Anthony. And he said Anthony's not going to play well enough, so he's out of the team. She'd been forcing in. And then I think he panicked when Casemiro got the head injury and came off. He flipped it with two midfield changes. And people were like, oh, United played better after that. I didn't think they did at all. They couldn't keep the ball for Toffee. You know, it was just all like run forward like mad gazelles. And yeah, you got your goal. But it, again, it was Harry Maguire that put the ball in there. It wasn't any of your forwards or your midfielders. So I think the thing is with Eric is that if he'd got away with a draw out of that game, Scott, it would have been okay. If you'd drawn that 1-1, one, one, I think we could have gone, well, you saved yourself again. So it's okay, go to the next game. But you lost the game in such a horrendous fashion. Like, it doesn't get worse than that in the way that they did from their corner flag You they scored from. And they scored in, like, a transition of, like, two passes and then letting the quickest player in the league in a Dharma Traore go in a straight line towards your goal. That's on you, isn't it? That's a tactical thing in your players. So, Harry Maguire, after the game, put his hands up and said, that was my fault. I should have taken another card. I think that's noble of him because I think it was about seven of theirs fault. I really do in that moment. And also I think it was a tactical problem is that no one was being tasked to be back. You didn't see the manager again, Scott, going, back lads, come on. Like you need to see that. He's just kind of stood there watching like all of us. So he's talking his way out of a job, Scott. That's the truth. He's talking his way out of a job. And we're at a cr crossroads here where quite a few big clubs are looking for big managers. And I think Man United might be going, right, we're in a bit of an arms race here for a new coach, potentially. And that's really the decision here. Do, do any of your stick with Eric Ten Hag? Or do they actually go, no, actually, we need to get one of these top coaches? We'll pick up on, on those options in a, in a little bit. But obviously, United have two games this week, as I just mentioned, against Nottingham Forest and Manchester City. Obviously, yeah. City, you know, 
God, God help them. What what could happen there if they, if they defend like that? We're also going to Nottingham Forest, who at the turn of the year, just around the turn of the year, we on this podcast were cursing United's tactics because Nottingham Forest mm. has scored from two cutbacks. Yeah. You know? In the Alanga derby. Yeah. And I mean, this is a, this is a problem, like we say, has been on, been going on for a while. And you can kind mm. of, when you have so many injuries, you can you can excuse it. I know United have some key injuries now, but like you say, so so do a lot of clubs. Um, now it has to be when you get in touch in, within touching distance of top four, top five, and you lose at home to Fulham. Mm. It it just it doesn't really wash, does it? And no. if you go and make the same mistakes, if you concede the same goals against Nottingham Forest, you're not learning anything. And that's you know? the key. It's the same goals. Like this, this is the thing. It's the same issues. Over and over again, it's like there is a blind spot. I called Eric Ten Hag the other day, colorblind. It's like I, I'm sure he knows what we know. Like he is definitely more talented than you and me, Scott, and every other pundit in the world. Like he knows that team better than we ever will know that team. But there's he's definitely colorblind to maybe I think some of the risks in English football. Like I really do feel that. Like he he doesn't really get that in transition. You can get hurt as badly as Man United get hurt, and there is no coverage there. So this is the whole thing about playing. Playing like either a four-one-five or a four-one-four-one is that that's all cool when you've got the right players to do it. But if you've got no pace around in that back line and say your bottom five players of the pitch, you've got to be compact. Like you've got to be compact. That's not rocket science. Man United are constantly, I think, the most stretched out team I see in the Premier League from back to front. You're playing a high press that doesn't really press. Then you're giving all the midfield away. And then you've got a back four that literally cannot play with any space behind it because it will get run. So he knows that. He has to know and that. And they're all he quite bad run. one to man to man as well. He's playing man to man. So, you know, and with players that can't do it, he, yeah. they lose, the, the amount of duels they lose is incredible. Incredible, really incredible, incredible, and they lose those jewels through through obvious means. It's not like they're trying. Like you see with Maguire, and especially with the second goal against Fulham, Maguire's been tasked to be aggressive. Yeah, he everything he's doing is go to the player. That's what he's been told to do. Like Martinez, it's just like he's doing the Martinez role, but maybe just a little bit slower and a little bit more cumbersome. But he's at least doing it, Scott. Like at least trying to do what he's being told. But it's what's around him is that as soon as Maguire loses that head or he heads it down and a, a trial is away. The rest of the team is not switched on to the danger. They're all just, how can we get the ball forward to score a goal? So, we again, a lot of people said to me in the last few days, they're like, oh, you know, but City do this and Liverpool do that and blah, 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 blah. We can't compare ourselves to anyone. It's about us. It's about what we do. And we do that problem all the time. And we have done all the time from this manager. The difference was, Scott, last year, when he had maybe injuries and, and whatnot, is that he managed to find methods and ways to do it, both in games and out of games before matches. That's not there this year for whatever reason. He's he's moved away from that stuff. He's decided that he's going to play this way by hell or high water. And you know what as well, Scott? If we hadn't had the change in the ownership, then I think we would just be saying, we well, just got to stick with it, take the pain and get on with it. But now you have got a new owner and you're going to have a new sporting director. There is no way they're going to look at his body of work over two years and feel good. They're going to go, okay, you have had injuries, but we don't like some of the tactical elements here. Like, they don't work. And we don't think they would work if we go and buy you another £500 million worth of footballers because there's there's always a ceiling for these things. It's like a concrete ceiling. You can't smash through it. So that's where I am with it with Eric, is that I would love him to get more time, Scott, because I, I don't think that maybe some of the alternative coaches that are being mentioned are better than him. 
but he's not doing himself any any good here. It, it's kind of a little bit reminds me like the end of the Mourinho era is that Mourinho didn't help himself, just kind of made the team play badly. They played badly and he got sacked. And that does happen, doesn't it, with coaches is that they get stubborn and then then they get their payoff and they leave. I'm not saying that's what Eric wants, but maybe Eric does know that he isn't the Ineos choice for this board and he's just going, right, well, I'm going to play my style of football and see if it works. But it's not working, Scott. It just isn't working. You say my style. I think he's, yeah, he's <laughs> he's trying, but it's, it's about 50%, isn't it? Like, it's if you're not know, playing, yeah, yeah it, it is his choice. And I've, Part of the reason why I've been so defensive of Ten Hag is because I feel like his intentions of mm. correcting the culture at the at, at the football club is I, I back him on that. I really do. I think yeah. the way that he's dealt with uh, difficult circumstances around you know Ronaldo, the way he's dealt with even Rashford, Sancho, I've, I've pretty much backed him on all of those. The way he's bludgeoned young youth, mm. you know, you only need to look at Menu, the fact that he gave Forson a chance anyway. Yeah, you know, that's good. Shows that he is open to holding those traditions that United do have. And also, I don't want to see the squad of players that have let managers down time after time. I don't think we're at that point yet. I think this is just a... This isn't... Maybe, well, maybe in some cases, it's a bit of a downing tools thing. But I don't feel like we're at that point like we were with other managers previously. Yeah, yeah. Um, But, you know, I, I don't want to see these players being given another chance. And that, that was... No. A lot of my my reasoning was I wanted to see Ten Hag deal with that transition, but now if there are people there for him <laughs> to to do that anyway, like Dan Ashworth coming in, like Ratcliffe, obviously we've had the completion of uh, his takeover part takeover, mm-hmm. and they are going to make these decisions with or without the manager. Like, Definitely. and you know, I I just feel like he's really got to start showing on the pitch. No matter the players he's got, they've got to start getting results and they've got to give something that you can believe in because at the moment there's not a lot not a lot out there that you can believe in and take forward. Definitely not. And and I, and I think the thing is as well, we have to get real with some of this, Scott, is that Eric Ten Hag's job is actually not to create culture. Yeah, Eric Ten Hag's job is to tactics, selection and win football matches. So I think when when he came in... It obviously, was, as, previ- it was as previous. As a Glazer selection. Exactly. As a Glazer selection, you know, this is what this was what was put to him in the summer as well. And he said, I think the immortal words, there was no culture before I came here. So he's right about that. He's totally right about that. But we're in a new phase now, aren't we? We're going into this Ineos phase now where you're going to have a new sporting director. It is Dan Ashworth's job. It is Dave Brailsford's job. It is Jean-Claude Blanc's job and Sir Jim Ratcliffe's job to create culture with signings that come in now. Now, of course, tactical culture comes from a coach, but it actually comes from higher up. So that's really what Jim Ratcliffe said only last week, isn't it? You know, he was saying that we're going to play a style of football and the coach will do that for me. And I think ultimately is that when we look at Eric Ten Hag, he's now kind of creating himself a bad reputation with his with his tactics. And that's sad because I think tactically he's a much better coach than what we're seeing. We've seen better tactics from him throughout the whole of his career and he's kind of regressed in the Premier League. The Premier League does have a habit, Scott, of taking good coaches and making them look worse. It does happen in, in the Premier League quite a bit. But, you know, Liverpool's culture might seem like it comes from Klopp, but it's not. It's upstairs. It's they empower Klopp to be able to have a, a squad to do certain things. Guardiola exactly was the final piece in that culture. It wasn't the first piece. So I think this is where Ineos will look at it and they'll say, right, well, there are two, three, four, five coaches out there that we like. We feel that they match our stylistic properties more than Eric. So what we'll do is, unfortunately, Eric is shake hands and 
off you go because we can't carry on like this. I don't think you can get to the end of the season, Scott, unless you've seen something dramatically different to what we're seeing now, even with injuries, that you can say, yeah, we're going to leave this guy a new contract somewhere down the line. It doesn't feel like that because it feels like that he's matching his players, like you just said there about them. There's some of those players out there on big contracts, Scott, that already I've given up on. I'm kind of looking at some of these guys and going, all right, you're good footballers on your day, but your day isn't very often. Like you, you're as bad as you are good throughout a season. That's the way it works, you know. And yes, I'm looking at you, Marcus Rashford. And yes, I'm looking at you, Bruno Fernandes. You know, these are our top players who are supposed to get you through your sticky moments because they're your best. And unfortunately, they actually make you worse in your worst moments. So that's a problem, you know. So it's not digging people out, but it's the truth. So I think with Eric is that he's not helping the team overcome some of the adversity. I think sometimes, Scott, maybe his tactics are actually adding to the problems. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We'll touch on that and the players. I did want to talk about yeah. that in a second. We'll come to the manager options later in the show as well. But I'm just going to... Quick plug again, at Dublin underscore Scott Saunders on X, IG, TikTok, at underscore Rob underscore B on X on YouTube and at TPLMUFC on X. Find us on YouTube, The Promised Land and Man United Podcast, Spotify and Apple uh, on audio as well. If you haven't subscribed already, please do give us a nice five-star review as well on those audio platforms and uh, help support the show. Right. Okay. Bruno and Rashford, you just mentioned. Hmm. Like, I maybe we can do this game. I've seen I've seen some people do this game recently, where they they go through United squad and then analyze like how many players will even be here next season, like or how many players do they want to be here next season. I think we could yeah. maybe make we can maybe make a show out of it, but there's not many. You can probably count them on one hand the amount of people really 
Maybe even yeah. maybe even four fingers. I, I don't know. The Someone tweeted me, that... Scott, and said that. They went, oh, Rob, you're being reactionary. You want all of the squad gone. I'm like, I don't actually want all the squad gone. The problem is, is that a lot of the squad are, are making you lose football matches. Like, it really is as simple as that. Bruno Fernandes has not been playing very well for a while. Rob, you've been critical of Bruno even. Yeah. And I understand why, obviously. For a long time, um, yeah. But he has been a he's been a crowd favorite. He delivers good numbers, mm. has traditionally done that down the years for United. But obviously, it comes at the expense of a lot of carelessness. Mm. And you mentioned Marcus Rashford there as well. We did a, a conversation about him, I think, just recently. Obviously, links with PSG. And the question should be asked. I mean, the, these players, I don't think, are bona fide. Like. Marcus Rashford signed a new new contract in 2028 at the start of the summer. Mm. I mean, but really, if there's interest from PSG and an offer comes in and your FFP position is a little bit difficult, you need a little bit of wiggle room, then that is the way he's playing at the moment. Is a no, you know, maybe, maybe it's not that popular to say, but you have to make, you're going to have to make some tough decisions. You might need to get out of this mess at some point. And I think the, the malaise that, a lot of the players have <clears throat> when they join the team. I think I said when Bruno signed, right? That Bruno's standing out now, but just wait until he, be, he becomes consumed by the the malaise that is hanging over all of the entire squad, as, as, as you see it now. How long will it be? And obviously the numbers have dried up. Marcus Rashford, you could argue, probably has been a part of that for a while. You have to get rid of it. You have to get rid of it. Mm. And you can turn it around with certain players that are still... If, if you keep, say, one of those players, you can possibly still turn it around. But you've got to correct the culture. And I think the only way to really do that is to rip out the heart of it. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And and I think the thing is, when we're specifically looking at Marcus and Bruno, and again, I know some fans might look at this and say, oh, Rob and Scott, you know, you're just picking on the obvious ones, the, you know, the kind of fan favourites, the ones that kind of get hits and clicks and all of that. For me, you know, and I know for you, Scott, that's not the case. You know, like we would rather defend these players. We'd rather they played well, and that we were here doing shows going about how great Marcus was today, or how Bruno rescued the game against Fulham, or something, something, something more positive. You know, don't get too high, don't get too low. But sometimes you're watching it, and you're kind of going, "Well, that's just not very good." You just said there about Bruno in like from say then under Oligan and Solskjaer to now is that I don't think that. Bruno's been infected by those things, even though that is, I think, a real trait at Manchester United as, a, as the project goes on, is that you get these repeated issues. We've now got new ownership. Ten Hogs is still a relatively new coach. You know, it's not, it's been here 18 months. When you look at Bruno Fernandes, what we're actually seeing now, Scott, is maybe the manifestation of some of his weaker points of his game. So when he came to Man United, we absolutely knew that he wasn't really a central midfielder. Like we didn't, we knew it. We looked at the numbers and we were like, well, he does, his ball retention is really bad and it's not something he's good at, but he's got a real up spike when he's in the 10. He can, he can support striker and he can do that. And we know in that first year with Ole and even in the second, he was sensational, like the best 10 in the world, absolutely up there with everyone else. And I think I did an article for 90 Min, didn't I, about why was Bruno Fernandes the, the best number 10 in the world or something similar? You know, why is he one of the best forwards in the world? And he was then. He's being tasked now to play the eight. And the truth is, he is not a very good number eight. And I think he knows that. I think Eric Ten Hag knows that, but is still doing it. They're still doing it, whatever, whatever way you want to look at it. That's what they've decided they're doing. They're going to do it that way. It's Kobe Manu who's 
runs the whole pitch. It's Casemiro who looks after a small bit of the pitch. And then it's Bruno who's indisciplined and is everywhere. Left wing, right wing, centre forward. I'm surprised he's not played goalkeeper for us yet. You know, he literally wants to be everywhere. And what you need from Bruno is something a little bit more focused. You even saw that there with the second goal, Scott. Bruno Fernandes' positioning is really poor, but it's always poor. He's always in the wrong spots. He's never in the right spots. And I think that you're going to go into next year bringing a coach, Scott, that likes Bruno as the 10, then you're okay. You stick with Bruno. But I actually think you look at him, and as we said last week, he is one of your sellable assets. Does Bruno Fernandes feature in the best version of Manchester United in a year or two or three or four? And the answer to that, for me, it's a personal thing. I've seen enough of him now, a body of work. The answer is no. He doesn't give you, doesn't give the game what it needs all the time. He does what Bruno wants to do. And selfishness, is always the killer for any top player. It really, really is. Is that if you're Ronaldo and score 50 goals a season, you can be selfish. But when you stop scoring the goals, guess what? Everyone goes, you're not very good anymore. <laughs> and that's what happens, isn't it? So I think with Bruno is that he doesn't give the midfield what it needs in the way that, say, Kobe does. I think Kobe tries to give the game what it needs. And I think Casemiro just can't do it. So you need a midfield, Scott, and someone's got to go as, as a result because I think you said last week, you know, you could phase Bruno out and I don't think you can. I don't think you can put the captain on a bench because he will sit there and have a face like a wet weekend forevermore, a bit like Cristiano did. So the opportunity to sell Scott while he's at the top is that you get to the end of the season if you're looking for money because of FFP, and you certainly are, there's a big gap there at the moment, then Bruno's one of your sellable assets and so is Marcus. Uh, there are plenty of How do you of feel others? about Marcus running around, Scott? I'm going to ask you a question. How do you uh, feel about Marcus Rashford's outward demeanour on the football pitch? It's always been it's it's always been an issue, really, with his what's the word for it? Uh, body lang uh, body language, right? Body language, yeah. And when he when he's confident, you can and he's it's working for him. You can you can excuse it because there's output. When like exactly what you just said just now, when the goals dry up. You know, and there's no output, exactly. and you still carry that body language. Mm. You just look a little bit spoiled. And if, if anything encapsulates what United are at the moment, maybe it maybe it's that. Like, oh, we're at Man United. We're getting paid bigger wages than most clubs in the world will ever pay us, and I'm locked in for a contract until 2028. And that means I can do whatever I want. And if it's something doesn't go my way, I I, I do think Rashford is. I think maybe we lean into that a little bit too much. I've seen clips of him going around where I think maybe sometimes he's had a good game, but then you'll see a clip of him maybe not pressing effectively in the last mm. minute or something like that. And then that circulates and that bad, bad reputation sticks. I don't think it's always fair, but he certainly doesn't help him. How many times have we said this? He doesn't help himself. So, yeah. you know, I, I can't... But back when you were, we were talking about Rashford when he was going through that goal scoring run, Rob. I didn't mm. even. I think we had a conversation of whether he fit he into did. the world class conversation, right? And I, I said at the time, no, he doesn't. I don't think he does. I don't think he's that good. Um, I think he's good. He's a he's a good Premier League player, but he's got levels to hit beyond that. Because mm. I know his goals were work. He was he was scoring a lot of goals, but there was still a level to to hit above that. And it feels like that is that's the highest maybe he'll ever he'll ever reach. I don't know because it doesn't seem as though. He has the drive. We've seen it under a load of man. We've seen it under mm. a load of managers. It it doesn't seem like he's had he has the drive to maybe push himself to the maximum potential that he could he could potentially get to. So yeah. it, we've seen it under Ten Hag. There's been rumors of a fallout with him and Ten Hag. Rannick didn't favor him, 
if I remember no. rightly. No. Ollie, obviously, he was part of a team that, you know, down tools in the end. Um, Mourinho, obviously, we know that Mourinho uh, thought he was a specific position. He, he wasn't one of his favorites. Bangal obviously brought him through. But it's a common theme. Like, mm. After a little while, it seems it seems to fall. I, I don't want to. I don't want to victimize Rashford here. I don't, I don't, that's not what I'm trying to. What I'm trying to do. But the fact of the matter is, United are in a position where they need to sell players. They they're the, probably the worst club at selling players on the planet, bar none. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you have an asset like that who's tied down on a long contract, who has interest from other clubs, you ha- and the way he's playing, you have to look at it. You 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 just have to. I don't. I don't really. As much as you'd like to see an academy graduate who has X amount of goals for United so far, you'd love him to stay at his club for an entire career. My, no, nothing killed me more than seeing David Beckham get sold to Real Madrid in 2003. You know, I, I can come back from this one. <laughs> I, I didn't care about that. <laughs> I remember really? Went, oh, wait, wait. No, I really I, he was my, favorite. Really he was my favorite growing up. I really didn't care. Do you know why? Because I was at games and I and I thought Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was playing better than him on the right hand side. So I was like, yeah, go with Ole. You know, that that's how I felt at the time. Again, Beckham, of course, was a massive hero and and kind of legendary, iconic status. So I kind of I understand why so many people loved him. It was quite interesting as well when you talk to people about Rashford, Scott. There's kind of a little bit of a similarity there. Is that uh, that 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 Rashford is kind of um, idolized by so many people? You know, like you said, he's Mancunian, he's English, all of those things. I don't really care for where a player is from or their background, even though I do advocate that bringing through youth from our system is really a big part of our football club and what you should be doing. The problem is... is He's not the jewel anymore, though, Rob. He's not the jewel. You've got... I don't think he was ever the jewel. Yeah, he was Well, he was because he was the best player to come from the academy for a period of time, right? The jewel for me over a period was Paul Pogba. So I think you looked at Paul Pogba, Paul Pogba was the guy that can go and win a World Cup because he's good enough yeah he's he's of that level i even think with rashford's best level is that like i said last year when rashford had that run in the, the league uh i said that i thought rashford should have been nominated as one of those ballon d'or players because i actually think his standard of that year had been incredibly high even getting over the thing scott the humps that stopped him maybe progressing in years gone by but you used the word there about motivation around marcus and, and that is definitely a thing here because i think when you take Take a game in isolation, but then kind of stretch it out over a season. Yeah, and you look at the Fulham game, he knew he was going to play number nine that week, right? Because Hoyland's out the team. And all he's got to say to himself up here is, right, I need to do a little bit of something, other things that I don't like doing, but I just got to do them. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to go close down. I'm going to go and run that channel. I'm going to stretch the play. I'm going to make their defenders work. And all he did was jog. So if he's doing that in that situation where it's relatively critical because you've just lost your number nine who's in the hottest form he's ever been since he came to the football club, is that you've got to give something else, haven't you? And there was a lot of criticism for Garnacho after the game. They were saying, oh, Garnacho and Rashford didn't press. But you know what? I don't blame Garnacho. He's a kid. You know, he's learning his trade. Marcus is one of the senior players. He's essentially a proxy captain. Do you know what I mean? He's like de facto captain at the club. People look towards him for those things. But unfortunately, he is not providing it. Of course, we've seen now stuff going around social media last few days again. Marcus being out on the town chatting to, you know, rappers and stuff like that and having nice times. No one say, Marcus, don't go out. I'm always one of those advocates. Go out, live your life and do all of that. But it's not a good look when you refuse to run around on the football pitch. That's what you get your 350 grand a week for. At least run. So he's not doing that, Scott. 
And then it was like, oh, Rashford only got 19 passes in the game. Poor Marcus. It's because he's not running. You've got to run and make the space. So who's going to pass to him? Then it makes it harder for Bruno and harder for Kobe and harder for Garnacho and harder for the wide areas. So I think, as you said, PSG are looking at him. And I, you just mentioned Beckham. When, when Real Madrid came knocking, they wanted to sell to Barcelona, first of all. I was like, sell Bex. Because you got to a level there where you're like, does Beckham still make you the team that you want to be next season? For me, at that point, the answer was absolutely no. He wasn't. When he was on the pitch, he wasn't playing very well. And it was getting to a point in the press, a little bit like Marcus, actually, Scott, where he was just on the front pages of newspapers, appearing at London Fashion Week every week, or, or these kind of things. And his performances had dwindled slightly. You know, we kind of forget that all these years later. I think the things with Marcus, it's similar. Is that I'm seeing that is that he's now become a bit of a culture vulture. You know, he's kind of becoming more iconic, you know, in how he is and how he dresses and who, you know, how he puts himself across. But you know what, Scott? So all I care about is a football pitch. If you do it on a football pitch, you can do whatever else you want. You can be whoever you want to be. Yeah, be that person you want to be. But you can't do what you're doing at the moment. And, and, and I say that for Marcus. I say that for Bruno as well. And I say that for a whole load of them because I think sometimes, Scott, they all, they all think we play for Man United. But really, they're not even good enough for Fulham. And that's a really damning kind of angle to take when you're supposed to be at one of the biggest clubs in the world. Right, get in touch with us on... Uh, I, maybe that's not a popular section because I know Bruno and Rashford are quite popular or can be. Uh, but, you know, it's I think... the truth. It's the truth. <laughs> I mean, like, I wish they but, ran more and passed the ball and but, kept the ball. I really Robert, wish it. <laughs> at, some, at some point, you've got to start looking, stop looking at individuals and say, what is best for the football club? Can you Definitely. honestly sit there and tell me Marcus Rashford is a good enough winger to win the Premier League title? Definitely not. As a, no, I, I, exactly. I, it's a lot of it work rate for me. Is that if you don't do the work, then how can you be great? So you, you only can then be a moments footballer. A Man United or a moments football team without a shadow of a doubt. And Marcus is the epitome of that. So if you want to be something more consistent, Scott, you're going to have to move some of these big wage earners out because they just do not give the game what it needs. Right, managers. Let's move on to managers. Get in touch with us on any of the players that you uh, would like to discuss in the comments. Or Please do. Double definitely. underscore Scott Saunders at underscore Rob underscore beyond on Twitter. Right, managers. We, we talked about Ten Hag at the top of the show. There's mm. been fresh speculation on Tuesday morning, as we record mm. this, <clears throat> around Sir Jim Ratcliffe not being 100% sold in Eric Ten Hag. I think we mm -hmm. probably could have read into that by what he said in his comments last week anyway. Yeah. Um, but like we touched on at the top of the show, you know, ideally, like for me, ideally, if providing everything that well, I see enough, I, I would like him to get another season. But there will be with Ineos coming in and with a promise essentially to turn around the footballing operation this job is going to be popular I know there's Liverpool I know there's Barcelona I know there's Bayern Munich that are all coming up four of the biggest clubs in the world United could be in that mix and there's a few bosses that have been linked Roberto De Zerbi's name has been linked I've been quite critical of him apparently <laughs> I, I, I just feel as though um if if you drop him in a frying pan like Man United, the heat will turn up a hell of a lot more than it does at Brighton. That's Definitely. been my whole point all along. Yeah, yeah. Julian Nagelsmann's been linked as well. I know you want to, you want to talk about him a bit, Rob, but he's manager mm. of Germany until after the Euros. Other names in the frame as well. Perhaps all these names not. Do, do they jump out as being better 
Perhaps not. But also there's the the argument now, really, that if Ineos are seeing this or if uh, Sir Jim and Dave Brailsford and Dan Ashworth, when he, whenever he comes in, are seeing what we're seeing on the pitch, they're thinking, I might just prefer to get my own guy in. I mean, that that really has... He's not, basic like as that. Like, yeah. I mean... It, Ten Hag, like like I said, he's not helping himself. So, wh- where do you want to go with this? Yeah, I, th- I think as I said, it's, it kind of really comes down to the, the, the brass tacks of that is that, are we seeing enough here, like again, play the game or, you know, be, be Dan Ashworth at home on gardening leave? Are you watching Man United and do you feel good about some of the things you're seeing? Like you're thinking, ah, do you know what? When I turn up and rock up in the building, we can push that to another level. Like that feels really good. I like what this manager's trying to do. I think it's the opposite, unfortunately. So the, the, the decision ends up then being, Scott, is yeah, we just go get our own guy because our own guy comes in with a fresh slate we give him a, a, a ton of money. We work with him. We buy him players. And we we all collectively work on a, on a stylistic principle and a philosophy. Um, I think that, yeah, Ineos will be looking at Eric and thinking, not quite sold on him at the moment. And I don't think any of us are. I'm being completely honest. So that's when you run out of time. I think we look at the coaches on the table, Scott. You know, I did a tweet the other day about Graham Potter. And I want to start at Graham Potter. Because we have mentioned on the show before that... Potter is probably who you would get next, just in terms of line to the throne. Why is that? Well, Dan Ashworth has big connections with Graham Potter. Graham Potter is free, effectively. You're not having to pay anyone money to go get him. You know, he's ready to go and work again. He's putting feelers out there that he's ready to have a big job and he's really excited and wants to get back in the game. Him and Dan Ashworth obviously worked together previously at Brighton and they get on really well. So people saying to me, oh, do you think... um, do you think Graham Potter's better than Eric Ten Hag? You know, I, my answer to that is absolutely not. No, I don't. I mean, Eric Ten Hag is a better coach than Graham Potter. But I can totally understand why Dan Ashworth might be sat there going, I want to start on day one with Graham Potter and not Eric. I can see it and I can understand why. And there's a whole load of coaches out there now. As I said, it's a little bit of an arms race between who can fight for these coaches that are now going to be on the table because all these big clubs want a top coach. That's what they're trying to do, reboot their project. I think with Man United, Scott, the decision here for Jim Ratcliffe really is, is do you risk going another year down the line and having the same issues? Like what we're seeing today, forget the injuries, but maybe we're looking at the stylistic principles of Man United. So United comes sixth, seventh, eighth, Scott. Do you really think, okay, we can be top four next year with the setup that we have and just kind of tweaking things? I don't think that's how any of us want to do it. I really think Ineos want a shock and awe. They want to change things and they want to show that they've changed it, you know, flex their muscle and showing what they've done at Manchester United. That's part of their objectives, isn't it? I don't think Eric falls under that. And I think someone like Graham Potter is a better fit for them. Like, you know, we use best in class. I don't think, I don't think Graham Potter's best in class, but you do talk to a lot of people in the game that know him and have worked around him everyone is positive about him. There's no one I've ever heard that goes Graham Potter's terrible on the coaching ground or he's not great at communicating. Everyone says the same thing about him and there's a ton of upside to to who he is. I think his Chelsea stint cannot be used against him. Chelsea are a dysfunctional, messy, horrible football club like us, like we have been. And Chelsea make people worse. And I think you're seeing that with Mauricio Pochettino at the moment is that spend a billion on players if you don't do it properly, it doesn't come to fruition. 
Well, one of the criticisms thrown against Potter at Chelsea was that I think the players just looked at him. I, I, I swear I read this somewhere. The players looked at him and thought, who the, who the hell are you? <laughs> you know, what, yeah. what kind of uh, what kind of pedigree do you have to come and manage me? The One of the most expensive signings in the history of the world. Mm. Yeah. Like, but if upstairs and, correct the culture, you see, that never happens. So clubs that have really good culture, yeah. the coach doesn't need to be a big name. The coach needs to be part of the system. You know what I mean? Like Red Bull are really good at this. You know, like Red Bull brought loads of coaches through who like might not be fanciable, <laughs> but obviously a, a lower level as well. But Bayern Munich have done it over the years. Bayern Munich have had coaches and you kind of go, oh, is that man good enough for Bayern Munich? Well, he's done really well there. And then they go on themselves. They, they leave Bayern eventually to go into another football club uh, when they get back in the game. It happens at big clubs. I think the thing is at Chelsea is that Chelsea have been that West London glamour club for a long time. So maybe, yeah, Graham Potter didn't really have the glamour for them. But a lot of those players haven't got the medals in their pockets, Scott, to be ever looking at Graham Potter. Like you look at them, I think Raheem Sterling might because he's got titles. But you look at the rest of them, they're, they're all... They're all mugs. They did none of them are top, 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 top players. They shouldn't be looking at Graham Potter and looking down on themselves. Do you know what I mean? So I think the thing was with Graham Potter was that because of what was going on upstairs and how fractious it all was, he just couldn't really get a method together. But again, he's just the coach. He's not the guy controlling the culture at the club. And I think if he came to Man United, that would be his position. It would be below what Eric does or has done in the last year. He won't be told to create culture. He'll be told to coach. Get his players better. We'll give you players, we'll spend money, and you go win football matches. I think he kind of did that at Brighton. I know it's a lower level and it's definitely a lower expectation, but he showed that he can put players together and get winning win, a winning culture maybe out of maybe players that you didn't expect it from. Do you know what I mean? I think there's going to be some of that. Man United is that making our average players better because I think that's a big part of this, to be able to become a team that wins every week. Maybe people will be shouting at you through their TV screen now. They're saying, oh, well, Roberto De Zerbi re replaced Graham Potter and they're so much more fun and they score a lot more goals. Yeah. Fun's a funny word in football, isn't it? Because I used to hear that all the time at Leeds. Bielsa's fun. And I used to go, yeah, but Bielsa's mad. Like, his football's mad and they're going to get relegated one day quite quickly. <laughs> and that's what happened. But call like, it oh. now, if, if Leeds come up under Daniel Fark, I think they'll find the same, they might go the same route. <laughs> Exactly. So it's like, it, it, it's, a, it's a funny thing, isn't it? It's that we, we, football is relative. And I think like, I'm not, I'm not here on a soapbox um, advocating Graham Potter. I'm not. What I'm saying is what I've heard and what I know, and also why he is very much in the picture and why Ineos might favour him, is that you're not going to get a sexy replacement for Eric Ten Hag. United fans, stop that now. If you think you're going to get someone that you go, oh, yes, the saviour has arrived. You're not getting Mourinho 2.0. You're not getting that. You think after David Moyes, we've got Louis van Gaal, genuine Hall of Fame coach. Those things are not happening. It's not going to be like that. Ineos are going to pick the coach to please them. Not you, not me, and not Scott over this side. As I'm pointing to Scott there on YouTube, you know. So it, it isn't going to be like that. They're going to be in a coach that fits them. And you know what? They're going to pick players like that as well, Scott. They're going to go, that player might not be world-class, but he fits what we need. So we're going to develop him and we're going to take two years to do it. And we're not going to expect a performance on day one. And that's part of the problem at Man United, isn't it? Is that you need to give managers time and players time, but you've also got to give structure and guidance and delegate. And that's what's going to change at United. You and me will not be privy to that delegation. They won't be telling us what they're all chatting about every day of the week and behind the football club. What they will be saying, though, Scott, is that we want to win. 
Yeah, we want to win. We don't want Fulham to turn up and to mug us off because that's happened. Was that the 16th defeat of the season? I'm trying to add it up in my head. So I have 16 or 16. Or... It's, it's one of those, yeah. I, I think it might, yeah, it's getting, I don't know, 16 or 17, I thought, for the whole campaign. And that is unacceptable. That figure, even when you've got injuries, 16 defeats in all competitions, and we are in February is not just a bad look, but it is unacceptable professionally. You know, you can't accept that. So I think that's why why you will end up with a new coach. The other person we've not mentioned, Scott, there, is that Thomas Tuchel will be looking for a new club in the new year. Please no. I know you're about to go, please no. But again, if you you want an established coach, and when I say established, I'm talking someone that maybe has won the Champions League, someone like that. And Tuchel maybe is the middle ground. Um, but United fans, would they like Tuchel's style of football? Of course they won't. They'll hate it. But one thing is, is that Tuchel's style of football isn't a million miles away from Dan Ashworth's, not a million miles in terms of systems. So on the table, but I still think Graham Potter is very much the, the outstanding candidate as far as the new sporting director is concerned. Jose Mourinho's going, uh, well, free at the moment. Maybe David Moyes will be free come the summer who knows? We'll see. Can I just um, say something just, about Jose? Can I just say something cool. about Jose? Jose and Jim Ratcliffe are very tight. Very good friends. Just so I'll just leave that there. They are. I would, I would love to see him at Chelsea. He's one of those coaches that you just want to be in your league but not at your club. And I think that's how I define him. Because he is I, I box think office fun. If United think that maybe, and this is hypothetical, yes, it's coming out the top of my head. If Man United think that maybe they just need someone to have a stabilizing effect because, you know, somebody's experienced and that they're, they're not ready to go the full Graham Potter route because there's a risk there or they're sick of Eric Ten Hag because he's, you know, playing 4 1 5 every week and they don't like it. And they want someone who's going to maybe make them better defensively in the early years, year one of the project, year two. I don't want Jose, but I would not. I, these these people, billionaires, pick people they like. So we do absolutely know that Jose and Sir Jim Ratcliffe are like that. They are good friends. They've known each other for a long time. Of course, Sir Jim had Chelsea connections while he was there. So I'm sure they've spoken a lot in, in years gone by. Sir Jim Ratcliffe, obviously famously a Chelsea season ticket holder in years gone by as well. Um, I'm not saying that Jose's on the table, but it would not like be the biggest shock in the world if we hear that that is a potential route for United. So I would be wholly against it. I, I don't think that'll happen. I'll just Please no. Like, my God, no. <laughs> uh, f- final person I wanted to talk about. Hmm. Right. Now, I don't mind this shout that much, but there's two conditions. Mm. One, he manages Germany and isn't going to be available until after the Euros. And two, he wears ridiculous suits and I can't deal with it. He's got a really nice coat. He's got a lovely coat. I remember when he when he was at uh, before we went to Bayern, uh, we played them, didn't we? Leipzig and we hammered them 5-0. 5-0. Best thing. Yeah, the best thing we did. Yeah, with Ole. Ole completely schooled him <laughs> Old Trafford. Though we did lose, we did lose the return leg afterwards when we went back there. Um, best thing about that day for Nagelsmann coming to Old Trafford was he wore an amazing coat, and I was like, "Wow, that coat's cool. I want that." And then I realised it was about eight hundred quid, so I left it. Um, but um, I think the thing is with Nagelsmann is that again, do you know what with him, Scott, is that he's this guy who's kind of built a reputation on not a lot. Like now, I don't mean that badly from him. He's definitely a kind of coach's coach like he's got all the patterns in the world all the systems all the formations all like the philosophy going there but he's also a bit of a greater like he's not going to get on with people sometimes like he's not a people person so i think the thing is with nagelsmann as you said the availability factor there with germany is a thing 
um, that has to be considered. But if you did want a coach that maybe you want to go really long term with, then then he's definitely on the list. There's no doubt about it. They will look at him. And one of the things Nagelsmann said recently, obviously about his failed period at Bayern Munich, was the issue with Bayern Munich is that they do not give you the wider controls that you need as a coach. I don't think he'll get the wider controls at Man United either. I think he's going to be told what, what it's going to be like and he's either got to buy in or or not do the job. So that's a problem. And that's kind of why I still think Potter is maybe ahead of someone like him. He's a bigger name, of course. And I really like Nagelsmann, but of course he did turn up to Old Trafford in his nice coat and he got absolutely spanked by Ole. He played five across in midfield and Ole worked it out and bypassed their midfield like that. Bang, bang, bang. And we absolutely beat them. I remember Marcus Very Rashford running through one-on-one. Uh, mad it was like come on now yeah. work that out can we do this every week this is this is how we play <laughs> with transition team you need to stop the transition so he didn't do very well in that first audition but he is still a very very good coach and i think as i said top of my head united obviously if they're if they're sat there now uh you know old trafford towers trying to work stuff out they're looking obviously at whether they keep eric or whether they go to potter whether they go to someone like Nagelsmann, whether they look at someone like Tuchel, who will be on the market. It's not saying that it's definite. They might look at a Mourinho somewhere in the middle there, or they might go, do you know what? We're going to go trump the whole market. We are going to get Xabi Alonso. We don't care who wants him. We don't care Liverpool want him. He's next player. We don't care Bayern Munich want him. We're going to go do some Man United flexing, and we're going to take him there. That would be unlikely, of course, but it could be something to go and do, a shock and awe project. This is what Dave Brailsford said. I want to shock and awe. I want to show the world that Manchester United is still Manchester United. Might well be. If they think he's their number one target, Scott, they'll go for him. If they truly believe that, they'll go for Xabi Alonso. I just don't think that that maybe Xabi Alonso is ready for Manchester United. Yeah, my two cents. That's not going to happen. But uh, yes, let's uh, let's wrap up. It's hypothetical, yeah. But yeah. also, there's the, the criticism of Alonso. For me, is hmm. he's been a manager for about a year. Yeah. 18 months. But he's the hottest coaching talent in the world. So, like, I, I'm so with Eric you on that. was one of those just a few, a few years ago. You know? He so, was. He was, but I don't think his stock was as high as maybe Alonso was. Like, he, he was definitely a coach that we all looked at and we felt had tactical acumen and has achieved a hell of a lot of Ajax and taking his team to a last four in the Champions League. And I think you can't sniff at that. But I do think that there was still this worry about would he be able to adapt to English football? And there's always that worry, isn't it, for any coach coming into, I think, the Premier League. I think with Xabi Alonso, there's definitely a hype factor there. Like, you could see Real Madrid kind of somewhere down the line going, Xabi Alonso, yeah, come home. You know, we we could we could well, yeah. we could bring he you has, back. He has probably four better options than United at the moment. Play, yeah. staying at Bayer, waiting for the Real Madrid job because they'll take him when Ancelotti leaves, or go into Liverpool or to Bayern. I I, I, I do not see that. Better options, but like we have now just seen with these two massive appointments, I would say when Barada and Ashworth, is that they've been taken from the palms of clubs who are already on some kind of ascent. Do you know what I mean? Either financially or kind of already winning. So I'm not saying United, like that's giving me faith. Like I believe that they could go get people that they want now, whereas maybe six months ago, I'd be going, well, you can't get anyone. Like, you're not going to get any top coach. Who wants to come to this poison chalice of a football club if you're going to get a new coach? But I do think they're going to, press the reboot button, say goodbye to Eric, that 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 they will look at the top coaches in the world, take top five, ten coaches, and they'll say, right, okay, we can go and get one of these now. We believe that. It's just someone who fits us 
and we'll do it that way, as opposed to maybe the Glazer way, which was just go get the shiniest toy in the, in the toy box and give that to Man United fans, and then they'll stop singing anti-Glazer songs for a week. Rio Ferdinand's been giving the, the big one about Mikel Arteta and plucking him well, from Arsenal. Well, what's he said? I, but I think uh, you'll have to go and read that yourself. I'm not going into that. Big one, what do you mean, though? What uh, way? What way? He's saying Mikel Arteta would walk out of Arsenal, John United, if they click their fingers. All right, it's just uh, silly, silly what? stuff. No, that can't be real. No, no, he's, he's he's literally said it. Go go and go and take a look if you haven't. I think the only give, club, give that, I give think that the, the oxygen he, it needs. There's two clubs he might leave Arsenal. <laughs> Barcelona, for. two. Yeah. Barcelona is one of them, but the other club, unfortunately, is Manchester City. So I think if, mm-hmm. if Man City yeah, yeah, yeah. decided one day that uh, like Pep's done for whatever reason, Pep's had enough. Pep goes and doesn't clop and says, "I want to have a big holiday." Then I think I think they are the only club that might have the financial muscle to take him out of Arsenal and do that. I don't, I don't know. I don't think, you know, I don't think the fit is there. Do you know what I mean? But saying that, I think maybe the premise is correct. What Rio saying, I think, you know, can now go and get coaches in a different way. to maybe they have done the last say 10 years. Right. We'll leave it there. Get your comments in on YouTube, yeah. get in touch with us on X as well at double underscore Scott Saunders and at underscore Rob underscore B. Obviously lots fit in, Today, United play against Nottingham Forest on Wednesday night. And we'll be back before the City game, maybe after the City game as well, to talk about whatever. Maybe do a live one. We'll see. Yeah. Whatever we'll, kind we'll of defeat that's going to end up being. Anyway, uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. The promise and, yeah. The Promise <laughs> and Man United podcast. Like this video, subscribe, leave a comment, notification bell, hit that as well. And Apple and Spotify is where you can find us on audio from Rob and from myself, Scott. Until next time, everyone, this has been The Promised Land. Get in touch with us and we'll see you soon. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.